You know when your friend, a coworker, or someone close to you is grieving and you just don't know what to say to them? Our guest today has some really good tips that can help you with just that problem. She herself was widowed at a young age and she's turned her grief into a story of hope that has helped hundreds of people. She's author of Widows Wear Stilettos and When Bad Things Happen to Good Women. I'm really excited to talk to Carol Brody Fleet. Ready. Sophia Silva is a positive psychology coach who shares with her audiences the knowledge of leading figures to provide a roadmap for people who are interested in leading a life worth living. This is What the Flow with Sophia Silva. Hi, Carol. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So you are the author of multiple books, but one of the Correct. books that I'm really interested in is the title of Women or Widows Wear Stilettos. Uh -huh. <laughs> Why did you title it that? That moment actually, believe it or not, comes from a moment at my late husband's funeral. Mm -hmm. uh, my late husband was a police officer right here in Southern California for 28 years. And he had a very large and very grand and beautiful funeral. And up until that point, the word widow had never really entered my head. Yeah. You see, he had been ill for two years with mm -hmm. Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm -hmm. And you're just thinking survival. And as the funeral was in process, it occurred to me, I'm a widow. I'm a widow. I can't be a widow. I wear five-inch heels. I yell at the Dallas Cowboys on television. <laughs> I listen to heavy metal and, and music, and, and I know all the words of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm not a widow, because at that moment in time, I had the same image in my head of widowhood right. that a lot of other people have. And widows wear stilettos was my way of saying, we're here too. Not all widows got to be married for 50 or 60 years. Not all widows have grandchildren and are retired. Widowhood is in all faces from all places, and Widows Wear Stilettos was my way of saying, we're here and we matter. Yeah, that's a, I love that title. Thank that's you. It's very catchy. Thank you. Obviously, you dealt with something that is extremely painful, and you had a daughter as well, which I imagine Correct. is extremely difficult for her. How were you able to turn this grief into something positive? Well, when children are involved, it's doubly important because no matter their age, the lessons that our children learn most often from their parents are caught, they're not taught. And mm -hmm. I knew that our daughter was watching me recover and go through this process. And I had an opportunity to model positive, healthy, proactive recovery. I love that. And I wanted to let her know that going into the fetal position, as tempting as it was, was not going to be an option for us, not now and not ever, no matter mm -hmm. what kind of adversity strikes, that we were gonna get up and brush ourselves off, yeah. and we were going to get back to living. And we didn't even know what life looked like for us at that point. Of course, no one knows. There's, because it doesn't come with a set of instructions. Yeah, exactly. But that, to me, was the most important lesson that she could catch, that we could go through this experience yeah. together. And I was also very careful to continue to create an environment where she could always talk about daddy. She could be mad, she could be quiet, she could be sad. She could be laughing her head off. Mm -hmm. Whatever she was feeling at the time, I created the environment where 
you know, grief time isn't over. We're not going to stuff it in our pockets and move on because that's not how to deal with it. That's, you just went where I was going to ask you next. <laughs> how do you that? know? <laughs> the, the grieving period, I mean, there is a certain period, right, where you need to grieve mm -hmm. and go through the pain and sit with it. And we were talking about it earlier with the producer. Just be in your pajamas and not get out of bed and not leave the house. She's been reading the book. <laughs> it's, it's true. The, the first couple of weeks... I was on the couch in penguin print flannel pajamas, there's a visual, um, and that's where I was going to stay because life was over. He was no longer here to take care of. He was no longer here to care about me, so why should I care about me? Mm -hmm. And then I thought, you know what, no, this isn't going to, it's not going to go this way. I have a choice that I can make. We don't have a choice when it comes to life and death. We have no control. But the reaction, mm -hmm. that I can control. Yes. And that's when I put the penguin print flannel pajamas away. <laughs> they had feet in them, too. <laughs> I love those. The zip-up ones. Right. They those are the so best. so glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's, that's so important because there is a period where you need to grieve. You can't just... Mm -hmm ignore it but you also can't live in that for the rest of your That's life right. well and the grief period certainly lasts beyond two weeks i just spent two weeks on a couch yeah with the blinds closed the grieving period lasts much longer than that yeah. and it should yeah but it was the making the choice to get proactive about how i was going to design a healing journey for myself mm -hmm. and help my daughter design her healing journey as well because she was uh she was 11 years old when her dad died. She was right on the cusp of adolescence. Yeah, that's not easy. It's not easy under the best of circumstances. No. But it, was, it all came down to making a choice mm -hmm. and deciding I couldn't control the last two years of my life with the illness and with Mike's death, but I can control how we're going to recover from this. Mm -hmm. And that is the most important point that I could convey to your audience. Absolutely. You can take control. This was a destiny that I didn't choose. And if I don't choose something, it means that I don't want it. Yeah. And I was not going to let this moment define my present and my future. You're like the perfect example that we can choose how we react to something and how we feel. That's right. Why do you think that way? I think it has come more through this experience out of necessity, mm -hmm. out of not being willing to be defined by widowhood or by an illness or by a tragedy. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my late husband didn't want that. Yeah. He wanted us to continue living. He was frantic that I would not find love again. I asked him if I could take some time off on that one, and I did. <laughs> That's awkward. But, but, he, but yeah, but he, <laughs> he was so, he talked to my mother behind my back and said, please mm. encourage her to find love again. I mean, yeah. th this was a, a really, really incredible man. But going on in a positive and productive way is also keeping his legacy of love and service to the community alive. Yeah. That's the greatest gift that I could ever give back to him. So have you gone out and done dating since this happened? Or how can we, how can I smile. women that are widows go out and date <laughs> afterwards? They, well, first of all, yes, they absolutely can. I do a great many interviews. I even teach workshops and give presentations on dating after loss or divorce or breakup. Yeah. Uh, it's absolutely okay. That's that's the, the first answer. Second answer is I have cut down on my dating since I remarried in 2009. Oh, <laughs> sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. My husband will be laughing at this. <laughs> 
But in between the time that I was widowed and the time that I remarried, I did do a lot of dating and a lot of legwork. But I waited until I knew the time was right for me. And I do teach that before you even think of dating, there are actually 10 ways that I discovered that you can determine if you're ready to date again. Because it's not just about going out on dates. It's about rediscovering who you are. Yeah after loss, after divorce, yeah. after breakup, because you're not the same person. No. You have to get to know you first before you invite someone else into your paradigm and into your yeah. life dynamic. Well, I'm a strong believer that we're continually evolving throughout our lives and we should always do mm -hmm. work on ourselves and we should always try to improve and we should always introspect, no matter how old we are. Exactly. exactly. And that's what you're saying. If you're doing it right, that's exactly how it should be. The moment I feel that we become one dimensional, that we become yeah. where we are and we quit growing, what happens to things that quit growing? They die. They die. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't ever want to, yeah. to, to stop that. And I also love periodically stopping and taking a look back to see how far I have come exactly. since I was that that person on the couch in the pajamas, not knowing what to do next or who to talk to or where to even start. This program is brought to you by Anaheim Stoneworks, the company that has taken all the obstacles out of your way. From start to finish, Anaheim Stoneworks takes care of each and every step to give your home the unique look that you've been dreaming of. Anaheim Stoneworks, quality from start to finish. Master Toddy LA Training Center offers authentic Muay Thai training with locations in Bangkok, Pomona, and Anaheim. For more information, visit MasterToddyLA.com. Which is normal. So how did you make that first step? Where did you start? The first place I started was, well, now you have to remember too, when my husband died, he, the internet was brand new. It was a yeah. baby. It wasn't the internet that we know today that has incredible mm -hmm. resources and communities and education. Uh, the internet at that point was basically two things. You had chat rooms and you had porn. And I really didn't need either one. So there wasn't a Dude, lot. I feel like one leads into the other. It, yeah. <laughs> I could see that. It's like the gateway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, not needing one of those, those two things, um, I turned to books. Now, there weren't, uh, there, there, I, I stand corrected, there were wonderful books. I have many of them, but I also had questions that these books weren't answering. And this is how Widows Wear Stilettos, the first mm -hmm. book, came into existence, really, is because I had, did have questions that nobody was answering. What about dating? What about intimacy? Yeah. What about facing the first holidays, the first birthdays? Um, how do I get my benefits from the government because I'm not finding any assistance there? How do I make all the legal transitions mm -hmm. with my house, with my cars, with my bank accounts? There were so many yeah, questions. That's a lot. And no one was answering them. Mm -hmm. And that's when I wrote Widows Wear Stilettos. And th those are some of the things that are in that book are the discussions that nobody else was having. You know, who's that mm -hmm. girl in the mirror? Because I don't recognize her. So there's fashion and beauty and diet and exercise. There's even recipes yeah. that are healthy and quick. So, because you know, we all know as women that we don't take care of ourselves when we are grieving, when yeah. we are depressed. We, and Which that, makes it worse. It makes it absolutely worse. Yeah. Because now we're talking about health. Yeah. 
So there's so many yeah. facets to recovering from any kind of loss, not just mm. death, but any kind of loss. And I really love to teach about rediscovery and how that happens practically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, mm -hmm. because that evolution that you're talking about is vital to recovery. It's absolutely yeah, vital. Yeah, it's vital to mm -hmm. our entire lives. Exactly. So you actually have another book right now that's about to be coming out, right? Mm -hmm, Which is correct. When Bad Things Happen to Good Women. That's right. What is that all about? Oh, this, this book I'm so excited about. This book is actually a compilation. Uh, over 40 women contributed their stories of tragedy, of challenge, and of recovery and great hope to this book. And it encompasses just about every scenario that a woman can have or will face mm. in her life, from divorce, loss of a loved one, to a loss of a pet even, oh. to things like, I know, nobody's <laughs> talking about that either. Um, to things, but to things like uh, a broken engagement, mm -hmm. betrayal, being cheated on, or finding out you were cheated on and you found it out from your husband's mistress. Yeah, that's horrible. That is. So yeah. this is. So the book is uh, stories of women that have gone through this? That's right. Along with my own voice and commentary and instruction, we talk about things like uh, miscarriage and stillbirth and infertility issues, mm -hmm. uh, surviving suicide. Uh, all, there are so many different things, but the other uh, part of the book that is extremely important is for the people who surround somebody who's in crisis, who don't know what to say and who don't yes. know what to do. Yes. There are actual directions and steps. Here's what to say and do. Actionable steps. That can and be very useful. Here's not what to say and do. Yeah. And, the, and the don't do's, the without a doubt don'ts, mm -hmm. are actual quotes from actual people who have said some really crazy things in the guise of trying to comfort. So, so the book do you is have really, any examples? Oh my gosh, how long is your show? There are so <laughs> many examples. Well, you know, let's start out with the most important don't say. Yeah. The one thing that you never want to say is, I know how you feel. Here's what happens with I know how you feel. Oh, Sophia, I'm so sorry. I know how you feel because when my great aunt died and she was 105 and it was, you know. You just made it about yourself. I just turned the spotlight onto myself yeah. and my tale of woe. Yes. What somebody's trying to do, <sighs> in fairness, is compare their pain to yours, which is incomparable. Right. So we want we always try to relate as human beings. We right. need to find common ground. Which is okay. Which unites us. Yeah. So what you say instead is if you truly can relate, you know, if God forbid you were a widow, I would say things like, I understand. That's I'm empathizing with you. I don't say I know how you feel because when I was in that situation, I did this and yeah. like you said, we had the spotlight shift. Yeah. It's not about me right now, it's about you. So we never want to say, I know how you feel. We also but I understand how you feel. I understand how you feel. Or, you know, one of the most comforting things that I heard mm -hmm. after my husband died was from a work colleague at the time. And she said, Carol, I cannot imagine the pain you must be in right now. I'm so sorry. I don't know when we lost the fine art of saying, I'm sorry, but we have. And we need to get that back. We need to bring that around because I'm sorry. That's really compassionate yeah. and it's really heartfelt. The other thing that we don't want to say is call me if you need anything. So or I have me. to call you. you. We have to take that's the action. Right. The outsider has to take the action. Proactive. Say, yeah. you know, Sophia, I'm going to pick up your kids. I'm going to right. go to the grocery store for you. I'm going to show up with a heat and eat lasagna. I'm going to yeah. do something that is saying to you, 
you don't have to worry about this because I've handled it. It's done. It. Yeah. Exactly. Like saying call me if you need anything is almost right. like a cop out. It, it, but people <laughs> really, they genuinely mean it most times. Yeah. But, you know, nobody's going to want to do that because they feel like a burden. They feel like a bother. Of course. And people are afraid to pick up the phone because they don't want to be a bother. And you're not being a bother, by the way. And they're afraid. Mm -hmm. If I say something, she's going to get upset. Let me save some time. If we've had a loss or a tragedy or a chat, we're already upset. Okay, yeah. so that's done. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you call me up and say, Carol, I'm going to get you out of the house for an hour. Let's go to Starbucks and have a coffee. Let's go have a lunch or a cocktail or something like that. Be proactive. I think people sometimes might feel like maybe I shouldn't take her out of the house or maybe I should just leave her alone for a little bit. Like, what's a good time to bring that up? The person that you're calling on is going to let you know that. Okay. If they're not quite ready because the, the thing that I teach the people on the other side of that phone call is you have to start accepting invitations yeah. periodically. You have to let people in to your grief. You have to let people who want to help lift you up. That was one of the first lessons I learned early on is that people wanted to put their arms around me either you know physically or figuratively. Mm -hmm. They wanted to do something and you have to allow people that love you and care and are worried about you, you have to let them in and you have to allow them to do that. Yeah. So there, there is two sides to that there coin, is. absolutely. But some people might just shut down. And do. And, and so and if someone shuts down, should you just show up at their door? I am not a fan of them <laughs> just showing up. Uh, okay. Because you never know what you're showing up into. Okay. But you give them a call first. Say, I would like to come over and. What if they're not answering the phone? If you think that somebody's in crisis, I don't care if they wind up hating you. I've said this many times. If you wind up hating me, at least you will be here to do it. If you think yeah. that somebody is genuinely in crisis, do not hesitate to intervene. Mm -hmm. Do not hesitate to call the National Suicide Hotline. They are phenomenal people there. I've worked with them often. Do not hesitate to call, if, you, if you're intimate enough with this person that you know loved ones, to call them and say, I'm concerned, I'm worried. Don't give up, don't quit. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody is genuinely in crisis, the warning signs are there. And uh, those are, they're listed, they're on the internet, they're in my, all three of my what, books. What are some of the warning signs? Uh, well, one that you mentioned one of them is if they're not answering calls, right. if they're refusing to communicate at all, mm -hmm. if they are shirking responsibilities, work, children, uh, any kind of obligations. So any kind of behavior that's like shutting down, basically. Exactly. Exactly. If they are, if they make any reference that implies that they don't want to live anymore, don't don't just assume that it's a phase yeah it's not just a phase you know nobody looks at a broken leg and says well that's yeah. just a phase you'll get over it yeah well you can have a broken spirit and a broken heart in mm -hmm. fact broken heart syndrome is a thing it is real and when people start talking about not wanting to live anymore what's broken heart syndrome broken heart syndrome is the physical manifestation of grief it is when your heart can actually stop that it is a it is a manifestation there is grief that can be so complicated and so manifest that it shows up on an MRI oh. these are all facts and yeah. we don't want anybody to get to that point so intervention is key and really as I have said many times for people on whose behalf I've intervened I'm not here to make friends I'm yeah. not here to win popularity contests because yeah. for me high school ended a long, long time yeah. ago <laughs> my interest is your welfare. And if you are showing signs to me that you are in crisis, 
I'm going to be all over it. Mm -hmm. And I and I have been. Yeah, that's what people need to do. Get involved. Yeah. Don't just assume, well, she must not want to talk to me mm -hmm. because you don't know what's going on. Yeah. So I know you're also a contributor for the Chicken Soup for the Soul. I am, yes. What's that all about? What's in, what can we expect? Well, that uh, book is coming out on October 6th, and it that's is soon, a- soon, right it, around the corner. That's right around the corner, yeah. and it is a collection of stories of people who have overcome adversity. Oh, that's and wonderful. And so what I discuss in the book is uh, turning tragedy into triumph, mm -hmm. which is basically what we talk today, is from going to that place yes. of darkness into a place of light, and for me, uh, and it continues to be being of service to people in pain and people in need and people in despair who feel that life is hopeless because of whatever their adversity is. And hopefully we are providing a roadmap to show yeah. them that it isn't hopeless and that there is always, always into hope, right? That's right. That's right. Very good. <laughs> there is always a way to turn that hurt into yeah. hope. We have all been through adversity. My story is just one of millions. We've all been through a core-shaking, life-altering challenge. What we do at that moment mm -hmm. and from that point forward is entirely up to us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. I mean, your story is really inspiring. Thank and you. I think it could help a lot of people. Well, I certainly hope so, and it's been wonderful being with you. Thank you. If you like the show, please subscribe to my channel, Sophia Silva, and follow me on Instagram or hit like on my Facebook page. And thank you for watching.